Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Somebody just leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome, everyone, to the Action Network Podcast, Wednesday NBA Buffet Edition. I'm your host, Matt Moore, Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Joining me is Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. Boys, great Wednesday, great slate. I'm so excited for this Lakers-Sixers game. I'm very excited. It looks like we might actually have two teams at full strength trying to win a basketball game. It's very exciting. No COVID. Fingers crossed. Very exciting. You know, um, two of my favorite teams, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. You know, I grew up on Allen Iverson, grew up on Kobe. Um, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, so I'm just I'm super excited for that. We'll do our marquee event. We will do our Wednesday NBA buffet. Um, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills about something this week. And we, of course, will go back to the future in this podcast. This podcast brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider for the Action Network podcast. Also, make sure to check out our app. It is the most incredible app out there for sports bettors. You are going to get up to the second lines. You will get where the money and bets are coming in on. You will get expert analysis. It has the fastest tracking system for scores, stats, and updates that you are going to find anywhere. It is lightweight in terms of its memory hold. It is streamlined. The dark mode is beautiful. You get all of our picks, all of that. You can check it out on the Action Network app. Download it right now. Don't even like pause the podcast and go get it right now. Do it right now. Okay, boys, let's go to the marquee. Give me the loop. 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 We are 20% of the way through the NBA season. Some teams are actually closer to 25% through the NBA season. The Wizards are like 5% through the NBA season. But still, for the most part, we are a significant chunk of the way. And while everyone's like, oh, it's too early to talk MVP. It's too early to talk MVP. The problem with that conversation is that if you say it's too early to talk MVP, then later when you start talking about MVP, you will not have anything prior to compare it to. And you will forget these early games that do matter. The early season, these games matter as much as the ones in March and much of the ones in May will. These games matter as well. As well. And now is a great time, I think, to get in on futures that you are looking at for MVP before the prices start to kind of align. I did research and basically by the time that you get to mid-season all-star break, a lot of times MVP is already decided. Whoever's in the lead there oftentimes already is the guy that winds up winning it. I still think this slate is wide open. There's a lot to talk about here. I did a full article this week breaking down the top 10 MVP futures, going through who can win, who can't. I know both of you had disagreements with some on that list. Um, let's start here. Okay. Brandon, what's the best value on the board for MVP? So I'm going to surprise you with this pick because I had not dug into the numbers uh, when I had posted on Twitter uh, about my disagreement. And I think actually, once I dug into it, I've got six names that I think it's going to be one of six. The one of the six that has by far the best odds is the same one 
that I tweeted saying, this guy's not even the best clipper right now. He's not even on my list. I got it wrong. Shout out to Nidish Verma, who pointed that out on Twitter. Kawhi Leonard, I think, is the best odds right now at MVP. He's at plus 5,000 on DraftKings. Plus 5,000. I'm not saying I think Kawhi is the MVP. That's just 2% odds at winning the MVP. And I, what I'm really surprised at right now is just how wide open this feels. Uh, if you put them all at even odds, I think LeBron or Durant are my favorite to an MVP. But there's not great odds there. And really, I think those are the default MVPs. I think, you know, and Matt, you kind of said that in your article. These are the guys that if if there's not a runaway, if there's not a Giannis-type season, if there's not a cleaner, then I think we default to, hey, we all want LeBron to have one more, right? Let's give him one. Or, hey, Durant, what a great comeback, what a great season. The Kevin Durant Revenge Tour. I think those are the two most likely candidates, but they're also, you're paying like six to one odds, five to one on them. Uh, Joel Embiid and Jokic obviously have strong cases too. I was absolutely shocked to find out that Luka Doncic is the betting favorite at books now. When I first opened the books, I was like, wait, why am I looking at odds from before the start of the season? What's happening right now? I had to load a couple of books before I realized that's actually the odds right now. So all those guys are sitting at like five to one, six to one. Kawhi's at 50 to one. Uh, He's got 26 points, five rebounds, six assists. He's shooting 50, 40, 90 right now. I was also surprised to see he's only missed two games so far. He's going to miss a little bit more in in the protocol. uh, But the the missing games thing is the biggest argument against him. And there's not another player out there who's going to be playing massive load in this race that I see. I think in the same way that there will be some media uh, wanting to give a reward LeBron or Durant, I could see Kawhi getting that case. He's in L.A. It feels like Kawhi should have an MVP at some point in his career. It just feels like he should have one as good as he's been. And I just think that there's a good case for him. So I I get the idea. He's on my list. He was on the the list there. I mean, the numbers are really good, right? Like it's 26, five and six, which is really good. Um, Like he and Steph have comparable numbers from that perspective. 51, 42, 90. Anytime you got 50, 40, 90 shooter, that's really good. I, there's a couple of things here. One, the Paul George playing so well is going to hurt him. Mm -hmm. Two, no matter how well the Clippers do, everyone's going to go like, yeah, but you flamed out last year. And the, that stuff does weigh in. Like, you can get away with it one year if you're like Giannis, right? You can get away with it one year. But if you have like, there's a reason Harden kept slipping no matter what he did. And, and while part of it was Giannis was better, part of it was also that Harden's playoff losses do wind up registering. And Kawhi's considered a winner. Um, but I do think that's going to be part of it. Like, I think if, they, if the Clippers get the one seed and they're dominant, then I could see Kawhi getting it. But part of it is, like, where, what do you hang your hat on here? Because nobody's talking about him for, for Defensive Player of the Year, even though he's probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. He's still not, like, being talked about in that sense. He's not going to lead the league in scoring. He's not going to be, like, top, you know, 10 in assists. He won't be top 10 in, in rebounds. So, for me, it's like, what's the hook for Kawhi? And it's like, well, he's the best overall player yeah, but if you ask people who that is, most of them, like most of the voters that go for that angle, are going to go for LeBron. They're going to say, like, well, LeBron's the best overall player. Um, now, look, 5,000, that's a crazy number. Like, that's a crazy number for how good Kawhi Leonard is. And I do think that there's value there. I think if you're putting together a package of players, I think you definitely should include Kawhi Leonard. But I can't, I can't necessarily get on board um, with thinking that he's like the one to go for, if that makes sense. Um, Raheem, I'd like to know what your top selection. Yeah, I'm not on board with that one at all. Um, for me, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I like LeBron James. Um, it's, it's at plus 500, which is, you know, it's not the value it was a couple of weeks ago when I said it. But I think at plus 500, I think you have a positive expected value wager. LeBron James, oldest starting player in the NBA. There was a time in his career to where you could make him shoot. And now he has command of his three-point shot. He has command of his jump shot. You know, people thought that AD would kind of take the reins, but it's it's still his team. Now he's playing a career low minutes. I think he's playing 31 minutes a game. But right now the Lakers are, are they're probably going to finish with the one seed. I think 
for me, I bet these things based on narrative. I have a MV, I have an MVP model that I um, develop, um, and it you know it breaks down. It's a formula based on you know um, the record, your statistics, points, rebounds, assists, and I haven't run it for this year yet. But you know, with him being you know the Lakers being the number one seed, having one of the best records in the league, there's no reason why LeBron is just not up there. I think I think. I think even at plus 500, there's a lot of value there. Okay, so what do you think so the odds I'll say are? The, the, case, Go ahead. The, the case against LeBron is right now, even though he just scored 46 the other night, even with that, he's still at his lowest scoring since his rookie year. And he led the league in assists last year, but he's right back to his career average there. So, you know, the, the thing with LeBron is never about numbers, but he is at some of his worst numbers for LeBron so there is going to be that case if they stay there. And if the minutes drop a little bit, then that could go too. I agree, though. He, he would be my – at even odds, he would be my pick. I think it's the career award. I don't think people are going to make a fuss about, oh, his points are a couple points too low or, you know, one less assist. It's LeBron. Uh, you know, like, and I think the other thing, too, the case for him, if we're all sitting here saying this thing's wide open, who's going to win it? Guess who else notices that? LeBron James. And if it gets to about the midseason point, he's going to smell blood in the water and he's going to just take one of those like two week stretches when he knows we're all watching and just go for the kill. Because I think he knows that that one extra MVP, maybe one more title is going to basically end all the conversations about GOAT, whether or not it should be or not. I think those I, I think he wants it badly. And last year, Giannis was in the way if there's not one name this year that he's having to take down, I think he's going to really go for it. I, think, I mean, I think tonight's matchup is going to be, you know, a key, key indicator of that. You know, we have Joel Embiid and we have LeBron. You know, if LeBron and the Lakers, they go out there and they stop him, voters are going to remember that. You know, and actually, I think it's funny because FanDuel actually has LeBron James now as the betting favorite above Luka Doncic and um, Joel Embiid. So I think people are taking notice. So let me ask you this, Raheem. What do you think? Let's do the EV on this. What do you think is the probability on this? Using that, I'm on Action Network's EV calculator. What do you think is the probability of LeBron winning the MVP right now? Give me a percentage chance. If, if we voted today, I think it'd be about over 50%. Really? Yeah. If, I mean, if people voted today? Yes. Okay. I don't agree with that, but we'll go with that. 60% gets you an expected value of 260 on a $100 wager. So, a great return that like plus 500 like that's great return there i will tell you right now that you're off on who will vote who they would vote for right now because here, here's the big thing you gotta think about when you're doing these estimations when you're trying to evaluate mvp i've spent more time on mvp than anything else in my career like that's the one thing okay. that i've like narrowed down on there are multiple types of voters you have to identify and you have to consider each and every one of them because they are not a monolith it is not the voters will do x Zach mm -hmm. Lowe is going to vote a lot different than Rachel Nichols, who's going to vote a lot different than someone from TNT, who's going to vote a lot different from a play-by-play -play announcer, who's going to vote a lot different from a beat writer. Like, they will not vote the same, okay? That's fair. Uh, the narrative voters, you're absolutely right on. Anybody that's on TV, those people are voting for LeBron. Like, they're all voting for LeBron, okay? Everybody in LA is voting for LeBron, which is a huge chunk of the, of the voter block. Like there are multiple beat writers that cover LeBron that to be very honest, need the access that are going to get votes and they will absolutely, there's a couple. See, I'll, I'll admit I'm a little scarred because the year that Russell Westbrook won MVP, I had Harden at 16 to one to win MVP that year. And the narrative basically got him yep. that MVP. Now, yep. if, if you ask me, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Kawhi should have won it that year. And I remember Zach Lowe voting for Kwa, yeah. but I noticed that, you know, Zach Lowe, his, the way he votes is few and far in between. Right. So I'm a little scarred from that situation. So I kind of, I really approached the narrative a little bit more. I think it's good to go with the narrative, but you also got to understand the Westbrook thing wasn't narrative and people talk about narrative. It's not narrative. There was a hook. It's that, yeah. come on, the guy's averaging a triple double. We haven't seen that since. I actually think that the Westbrook vote has caused there to be a little bit of, of aversion to statistical achievement. 
Like, if you if you want to make the best argument against Nikola Jokic, who I think right now probably gets the most votes, I think he wins mm-hmm. barely. Um, it's that okay, most assists for a center. All right, well, we all gave it to Westbrook. We think that was a bad vote. So the other thing with Westbrook was that he won a bunch of game winners. Like he he won a bunch of game winners. And he hit one towards the end of the season against the Nuggets. When he right clinched the triple-double. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was at that game and talked to three voters that were at that game before and after. One of them had Russ before. Two of them were undecided, and the other two switched to Russ after that game. Like, wow. it des- that wow. game decided it for a, for, for a lot of voters. But that was also like a once – the thing is, is, though, is like you have to have that confluence of events where you cleanse a triple-double, that kind of achievement, and you, you hit the game winner, all of these things combined. Mm. Honestly, what you just mentioned there with the Kawhi vote, I think is the biggest reason why I don't like Brandon's. You can make a very great argument for Kawhi in 2017, and he finished third. Like, yeah, he's never <laughs> – his case is always going to be so subtle. It's never going to be loud enough, I think – to penetrate the statistical wonks aren't going to go for Kawhi. They're never going to go for Kawhi. He's not going to be top in VORP. He's not going to be top in win shares. Hmm. He's going to be hard with the narrative crowd. Cause they're going to go like, what about Paul George? What about Paul George? Yeah. What about, and what about the loss in the playoffs last year? Right. And hmm. if he does take time off, which he's doing less this year, but I think is always a concern. That's going to hurt him too. Like I mean, he has, I mean, he's on a COVID protocol right now. So right. he's literally missing yeah. the, <laughs> a the, week at minimum. The narrative around Kawhi is that he misses games. Even if he doesn't, the narrative is around Kawhi is that he misses games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I wrote about today, the other guy that I'm actually putting it, I am putting a position in on is Joel Embiid. Mm. I get it. I understand. Like I started my column off with a comparison to Lucy and the football from Charlie Brown. <laughs> I am probably one of the bigger critics of Embiid. Uh, while everybody blames the Sixers front office and installing the Colangelos and the Ben Simmons fit and this, that, and the other. Um, I tend to be like Joel and Pete can't handle a double team. That's a big problem. They, and he still can't. I broke down today in agonizing detail how irritating it is. The man cannot handle a double team. If you send two guys at him, he turns the ball over 32% of the time. This is a problem. But look, the Sixers still have this incredible record. The Sixers still have this great net differential. And they missed a, what, a week and a half with guys out due to COVID protocols. Like, you could throw all those games out when Seth Curry and Joel Embiid play going into this Wednesday night matchup versus the Lakers. They are nine and oh, seven and two against the spread. <clears throat> Look, they're not going to be undefeated the rest of the season when those two play, but they're going to rack up a ton of wins. We've seen Brooklyn be vulnerable already, right? Like we can all mm-hmm. agree, Brooklyn looks vulnerable because of the defense. We know the Celtics are not a great team, they're a good team that finds ways to win. Not a great team. Toronto, way behind having to catch up. Miami, way behind having to catch up. So the Sixers are in a prime spot to get the one seed in the conference. Embiid's numbers are terrific. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. The media adores him. All those narrative voters that love LeBron, they also love Embiid. And so it comes down to it, and LeBron's numbers are still pedestrian. And LeBron takes some time off, which I think he probably will. Like, they're coasting. Everybody knows the Lakers are coasting. Then it, let me put it this way. If you put together a, a position right now that was Embiid and LeBron, I would feel very good about where I was at. But that's what I would do is I would put the money between those two. Because I like Jokic a lot and think that there's a good chance, but I am realizing how difficult it's going to be for him to lead the league in assists because like, the, what happened in these last couple of games is is with versus the Suns is kind of indicative of how teams are gonna are gonna go for it. Where I've made this comparison to Mahomes before, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they've made the comparison. I made this comparison with Mahomes. Mahomes has the highest completion percentage in NFL history when being blitzed. If you send a double team at Nikola Jokic, he's gonna tear you apart. So a lot of teams are just like, we can't double. It, like if he if he scores fifty on us, he scores fifty on us. We can't double, and so he's still going to get assists because he's such a great passer. But he's not going to get like it's going to be hard for him to maintain nine ten, which is what he's going to need in order to get to that averaging the most assists by a center 
since Will. So I think Embiid and LeBron are probably like, to me, are, are the best values here. If, if you're right on Kawhi, Brandon, I will give you a ton of credit. Like it's a bold, it's, that's a bold selection. Yeah, that, that's super bold. That's bold because the number is really good on it too, right? Like you're getting 50 to one right. on it. It's just, he's always been a hard player to, to kind of, he doesn't fit into really easy narratives in part because he doesn't talk right? He's not media friendly. So the narrative voters don't gravitate towards him. He doesn't, I mean, honestly, like a lot of the wonks would give like Rudy Gobert MVP based off of his statistical impact. Right. And like, I love metrics, but that's, that's the differential in those two worlds. So, and Kawhi is very much in between where he's a high impact player with good production and efficiency, but he doesn't like blow you away with statistical production. And I think that that's one of the reasons why like he's a hard one for me to kind of be like, yeah, you should get in on it. Um, real quickly, before we move on to Wednesday's buffet, let's talk rookie of the year. This race still seems wide open. This still seems like there's nobody that's like set themselves apart. Uh, I have a side bet going with Justin Fan on Obi Toppin versus LaMelo Ball for it. Uh, and I'm not going to win. I might not lose, but I'm definitely not going to win. Thanks, Tibbs. Appreciate you not playing the rookie at all, even though he's one of your better <laughs> players. Uh, I did put in a position on Cole Anthony and Tyler Halliburton about three weeks ago, and I think I'm just going to sit on those two. There's a lot of conversation about LaMelo that I don't think matches either the production or the impact, but I'm open to being wrong. Raheem, where, who do you like right now for rookie of the year? I like Halliburton. I mean, for me, I, he, he seems like the best rookie. I mean, I, 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 every time I watch, it, watch him, he's making an impact on a game. You know, you got a guy who's shooting 47% from three, you know, 11 points a game, 4.9 assists, three rebounds. Um, it's just like I think I watched the game against the Bulls, and he single-handedly won it. He had like 16 points in the fourth quarter. To me, he's the, he's the rookie that's making the most impact, and he's not even starting. I mean, so once he once he finally cracks that starting lineup, I think it'll be obvious. But yeah, I mean, Justin Fan actually had me um, put in a bet for him on um, Halliburton and nine um, nine fifty. So yeah, I'm, I'm running with that. It's three to one. It's, it's, it's like um, plus, plus three fifty. Plus three fifty now, but I mean, I, I I still think there's some value there. Brandon, who do you like? So I disagree. Uh, I don't think that the rookie of the year race is wide open. I think it's LaMelo and I feel pretty good about it. Uh, The rookie of the year is different than MVP. This is one I've spent a lot of time on in the past and it really is just a numbers game. It's not narrative. It doesn't matter if you win. It doesn't matter what your story is. If you basically add points plus rebounds plus assists, that's the winner. All three of those count. If you put them all in and the winner is whoever leads that number most of the time Lamella's at 11 six and six right now he's also not starting yet and going to so if you push his minutes to like 28 by the end of the year versus 24 and I was going to finish at something like 13 seven and seven his shooting has not been good his impact has been good um Halliburton is the better player right now Halliburton is the more winning player I've been a huge Halliburton fan since all this time during college I thought he should have been taken higher I'm not arguing against Halliburton, the player, the value, all of that. That's just not what we give Rookie of the Year for. Halliburton does not put up flashy numbers, and Ball is just going to end up with better numbers. And I don't think anyone else is really in the mix that much. He's at minus 145 on a fan duel right now. I personally think this is LaMelo's race to win. I would say if you gave me LaMelo versus the field, I definitely wouldn't hesitate. If you gave me LaMelo at, like, 65, 70% likely to win. I think that's about where I'm at on him right now. What do you give me on the field? I would give you two to one on the field. That's 66%. I might think about that because like, look, 11, six and six, and you're saying it's not close. Come on now. Like I get it. He's not starting. I get it. He's not starting Brandon, but we also do not know if he's going to start. Like we do not know that. Brandon Anderson is a hater. Okay. They have Devontae Graham. They do have uh, Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier. Who's, who's put up big numbers this year. I don't know that they're going to start him. Can't shoot. And you're like, the impact's been there. You want to know why the impact's been there? Because he's playing with the bench unit. Once he goes to the starters, whoop, 
all those numbers in plus minus are going to dip. And those plus minus numbers will get looked at. You had Cole Anthony hit a game winner the other night. That kind of stuff matters. It really does. Like I talked to a voter that was like, if, if a guy starts actually contributing to winning, that's a big deal. Like it's one of the reasons I keep, I like my, my position on Cole is like Cole's going to put up relatively relative numbers to LaMelo for a team that's going to be better. Like the magic have been beset by injuries and COVID problems and they're still hanging in. Like they're going to, they're going to hang around the Eastern conference playoff race versus the Hornets who are terrible, like terrible. Gordon Hayward's going to take a, take a, like, if there's a last second shot, it's going to Gordon Hayward. Um, I, I understand. Like, I do agree with you in that. I think it's funny that you're saying that you're like, it narrative doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just stats. I think this, the narrative is, is LaMelo right now. I think the, <laughs> the narrative is that LaMelo is the winner. Cause there was like, Oh, I like, I like the way LaMelo looks, man. Because everybody, they, they did this with Lonzo too. Like, like, you know, I know the numbers aren't there. I know, but like, I just like the way he plays. And now the Pelicans are like, please take him. Please. Someone trade for him. Please. Anyone <laughs> take, take Lonzo ball. It again, if you, if you wind up being right, I'm going to have so much props for you for being in on this. And it's, it's an easy position. Cause he's the heavy favorite. I just, I don't know how you watch every night and be like, the other thing I think is, there are guys I think that are capable of, of they've laid the groundwork for them to earn more minutes that could be big in the second half of the season. Isaac Okoro and Patrick Williams are two that I still think a lot about. Like I haven't gone in on, I, I went on Patrick Williams in preseason. I haven't added on to it. That's one I keep thinking about because like the bulls are the bulls. I swear to God are a better team than the record. Like they're a pretty good team. They're fine. They're 500 ish. And like, if that's a team that winds up surprising folks, Williams is a guy that actually does a lot of the kind of stuff. And like, you know, I don't remember Malcolm Brogdon breaking the world with numbers. It was just like efficiency and impact. And I do think that there are, that if there's no clear winner, I think oftentimes a guy that it's like, you know, he's playing really well for a good team that holds more sway than I think it did maybe say 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't see it with LaMelo. I, I still continue to not understand the fascination with him. It's an interesting topic. Uh, however, if you want to bet on LaMelo in a shorter term, you can do so in the NBA buffet. Boys, let's eat. Mm. Dig in. Certainly does look delicious. It's the Wednesday NBA buffet. Chew and swallow. No savoring. All right. It's time for the Wednesday night NBA buffet. We're going to switch this up this week. You got $100 to distribute however it is that you choose across the NBA slate. We're going to do this one person at a time. Brandon, man of a thousand props, what's your slate look like? All right, yeah. So let's start with the props today. Our props are killing it. I'll shout out again. Make sure you get on the app. Make sure you're looking at the props tool. Right now, our prop tool, the props we're picking in the column and on the app, 79 wins, 43 losses, and three pushes. That is a 64.5% hit rate. 26% 26% return on investment. So get those props, make sure you're following. So I decided I've been the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to match you guys, trying to grab sides, trying to grab totals. And I'm a props guy. So I'm going to stick with what's working for me today. So I'm going half my budget on props today. First prop 20 bucks on Brooke Lopez over 10.5 points. So Lopez is playing Toronto. I was at game one. Uh, I know you two both love that uh, Bucks Raptors series from a couple years ago. We love to bring that one up. Fred Van Vliet forever. So I was at that game. Game one, Lopez dropped 29 points on the Raptors. Uh, he's just good against them. Since joining the Bucks, Lopez has gone over 10.5 points in nine of his 13 games and each of the last five. And this season with the Bucks, uh, Lopez started out slow. He was under 22 minutes the first six games. Then he played a lot in a win against Detroit. Ever since then, he's playing 31 minutes a game. He's hit the over on points here in six of the last nine games during that. So we've got him projected at 13 and a half. You're taking over 10.5, $20 on that. Next up is $20 on Evan Fournier, over 17.5 points. Been riding Fournier the last few games. Orlando badly needs anyone that can shoot the ball and score some points. Fournier has come back. He's played four games since his injury. 
He's over. He's at 19 points or more in all four games. It's not an anomaly because his field goal attempts are way up. He's at 16.3 shots a game these four games, averaging 22.5 points. That is up from 10.5 shots the four games before he got injured. So uh, that prop has been moving up. It started at 14.5. We took it. We hit it. Then it went to 15.5, then 60.5. The value is about to be gone. I don't think I'll like it much after 17.5, but we'll play it there today. So that's $20 there. Last prop for today is $10 on Rashawn Holmes. That's Sacramento. $10 Rashawn Holmes over 11.5 points. Again, we're looking for that volume here. This season, in games that Holmes has played at least 30 minutes, he's averaging 16.1 points a game. He's had double-digit points in nine of those 10 games. And lately, his minutes are way up. He's averaging 36 minutes a game in the last six games. We're playing Orlando. I'm only going $10 on this one because I don't like that the pace is going to slow down. I don't love the Vucevic matchup. Uh, Whiteside is back potentially, which will steal a few minutes. So only $10 on that one, but that's Rashawn Holmes over 11 and a half points there. So that's the props for today. $50 uh, on those. And then I'm going to go $20 on a, the over in the Detroit Cleveland game. I was thinking about that one last night, and then I jumped in this morning and saw the fans on that one. So great. Happy to grab that one. Right now, I think that this line, it's at 213.5. I think that we are thinking of an old version of both of these teams. The Cavs have been really good at defense, but their defensive rating has dropped to number 11 and falling. And uh, they are a different team with Sexton and Garland back in the lineup. They play a lot faster. And guess what? They're a lot worse on defense when those two are in the lineup. And as far as the Pistons, they are a faster team when Blake Griffin is out, as he is tonight. So as Fan pointed out, the Pistons over is 3-1 and one when Griffin is out. Uh, right now, Cleveland over is hit in a five straight, and Pistons over has gone over in five of six games. So I'm taking the over on that game at 213.5. Two bets left. $20 on the Pacers. I grabbed this one last night at plus 1.5. I think it's now minus 1.5. The Pacers are playing the Hornets. Um, if it keeps going up, I may have flipped to a, a money line if you need to basically get the juice off there. Sabonis is questionable with that injury, but I just trust Indiana to be the professional team here and take care of not a good team in the Hornets. I'm starting to think of teams as kind of three tiers. Are you a protected playoff team, one of those top six seeds? Are you a play-in team? Are you not a playoff team at all? And against those top six seed teams, the Hornets have lost four of their last five. The Pacers are clearly one of those top six teams. Even a little bit shorthanded, they're still going to be one of those good teams. As for the other end, Indiana is seven and two, uh, this season straight up when they are playing not one of those top six teams, when they're playing a play-in or a bad team. So I, I don't think it's a slam dunk with Sabonis hurt, but they've got Brogdon, they've got Turner. It's just a professional team that I have been, I've been playing a lot of Indiana this season. They're top 12 offense and defense and basically playing them to win that game. Uh, last one, my last $10, I'm taking a parlay. I'm parlaying three money lines because six picks wasn't enough, so I guess we're going with eight here. So I'm going to parlay three favorites, and I'm taking three favorites against teams that aren't very good and are definitely not good when they're missing a star. So Warriors over Timberwolves, no Towns, and possibly no D'Lo. Again, the Warriors just won yesterday or two days ago, even with a huge Beasley game. Suns over Thunder. It looks like the Thunder may be missing Horford and Hill again. Uh, a little tip on that, by the way, when the props are up already and these guys are not listed, that's a good hint that the books do not expect these guys to play, even if they're listed as questionable. So no Horford and no Hill in the props makes me confident they're not playing. And then the last one is the Nuggets over the Heat. Butler is still out. I wrote the game guide on that one. And uh, with Michael Porter back now for the Nuggets, I'm just trusting those three teams. So Warriors, Suns, Nuggets, parlay at plus 179 at DraftKings. So that's the ticket for today. Yeah, I mean, your props have been killing it. I've been telling you. I am sad that you're off of the assists for the centers. That's been such a, 
That's been the, the Brandon Anderson special. Uh, Fournier, I love that spot. That's a really great spot, I think, for him specifically. Uh, I will say I'm not with you on the Detroit-Cleveland over. And the reason is you're like, they've, you know, they, they've plummeted in defensive rating. They played the Nets twice. The Celtics dropped 140. They played the Lakers, and LeBron scored 46. Like, the Cavs have had a bad week defensively. And a lot of it, I think, is just like the Cavs are going to be good defensively versus most teams. And then versus the juggernauts, they're going to be helpless because they just don't have the talent to put pressure on them, especially on the offensive end, to be able to like get them back on their heels a little bit. So, like, this is that to me is, is you have to contextualize, I think, a little bit of that. I'm not saying I like the under in that spot because that's a low number. But if I'm looking at the Pistons and the Cavs, I am thinking this is going to be a little bit of a rock fight. I don't want to mess with it because I feel like there's a, I mean, the problem with the Pistons is I, there's no way to be able to predict what they're going to do offensively. Some nights they look okay. And they're going to put up one Oh six, one Oh eight. And sometimes you're going to get like 92. That is a bold one to go with uh, Raheem. What's your slate look like tonight? For me, I like, I'm starting out with the Sacramento Kings at the Orlando magic. I like the over two twenty two. My projections make this number two twenty five. Look, dumpster fire doesn't even do justice to how bad this Kings defense is. They're giving up 118 points per 100 possessions. As I said last week, this would be the best offense in NBA history, what they're giving up every night. So I'm going with that over. I mean, if you combine a bad defense with a team who plays top 10 in pace, you're going to get a lot of points. The Kings are 10 and 6 to the over. I'm going to keep playing that over. You know, like when you look at this team, they have the highest effective field goal percentage in every area of the floor, from the rim to three-point. Take the over. For my next pick, I'm going with the Boston Celtics. Obviously, the numbers can't really capture the strength of this team um, because, you know, they had absences to Jason Tatum and others, you know, just from COVID. Um, But now they have a full-strength team. They got Kimball Walker. Jalen Brown's having a monster season. Um, Now you've got Tatum. This is the first game in which all three of them play together. I think this number's a little short. Um, I, there's some steam in the market right now. It's open at three. It's now at around four. But I think you could play this up to five, and I think you you have a positive expected value proposition. I mean, you know, even, you know, with Tatum out for a, a week or two, this team is still scoring, you know, they're still a top 10 in offense and top 10 in defense. You know, with Tatum on the floor, they're scoring 115 points per 100 possessions. This is a top-tier team in this league, and I think, you know, the Spurs – they struggle to defend on the perimeter. I'm going to take the Celtics. I think, you know, the big three, they have a, a, a great night. My last one, um, this one's also being steamed down. I took this at 225. I took the I took the, the Jazz Mavericks under. A lot of people might think this is, you know, tough because the, the Jazz are just playing so well offensively. They're making 17 made threes a game. But the Mavericks, they get back two wing defenders and Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Richardson – they both play in like the slowest pace in the league. You know, Jazz are 25th in pace. The Mavericks are 21st in pace. I think the Mavericks are a little better defensively this year, but they're, they're far cry from where they were last year offensively, where they were best offense in NBA history. I think the loss of Maxi Cleaver really hurts because you don't really have that pick and pop partner to really hit the three. And, you know, Chris Stratford-Zingas is back. But he's only shooting 29% from three this season. And I, I know he'll regress at some point, but I think he's still finding his footing. I think if you can get this above 222, 223, that area, I like the under. 33 to win 30 on all my picks. <laughs> the Jazz Mavericks one is really interesting to me because that game last night, you know, the Knicks surprising everybody again. Um, the biggest thing was that the Jazz have been this awesome three-point shooting team. Um, and the, the Jazz eventually outpaced them because, you know, it's the Knicks and they all have enough firepower. But the Jazz shot really terrible. I looked at some historical data, and there's really no trend that suggests that if you have, if you have a good shooting team that has a bad shooting night, that they immediately bounce back. Um, the data is just really mixed on that in terms of the, of the overperformance. So um, that one I think is, is really interesting. I don't mind the pick, though, just because the Mavericks offense has just been bad. Uh, it's just been really bad, which is why – to Brandon's earlier points, really surprising. Luca is still such a favorite for MVP in terms of, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Cause like eventually the Mavericks offense should do better, but they really miss a rim runner. And Willie Colley Stein is not it. It's just mm-hmm. that that is not the one uh, I like the plays quite a bit. I like that Kings 
you know, that King's Magic one, the only one I will say on that is I looked up on cleaning the glass against a bottom 10 defense. The Mavericks or the Magic rather are still only averaging 110, which is 24th in the league amongst teams facing t- bottom 10 defenses. Um, mm. The pace will probably still get you to the over. That one does make me a little nervous just because the thing with the Magic is like they can have these games where they put up like 130. They have them every now and again. But then, like you're worried about them being, like having a 106 night. But I will say this: if the Maver- if the if the Magic have like a, a a game where they score under 110, you're still hitting your over because that means the Kings are probably putting up 125, 128. Like it's a runaway yeah. King. I think the one the one thing we have to stress is you got to make sure you get the best of the number. Um, yeah. And a lot of these are just you know they're, they're specifically number plays. Like so, if I say my model likes that 225, you can't really play it at 224. You know. Like you have to play it so you have a little edge. And I think this, it's the same thing with the Mavericks game. Unfortunately, that number has been steamed down. Like it opened at 225 and a half. And you know, I grabbed some 225 under. But if you can get above 222 on the Mavericks under, I think you you have a you have a solid edge. Good news for Magic Kings. That one's going the other direction. It's down to 223 and a half. It's still only there. So like it's actually and it's up from 221. So it's trending. It's trending up, but it's still only at 223 and a half. You've got some, some room as we talk right now. Now, 57% of the, of the, of the bets are on the over, but 62% of the, of the money's coming down the under. So that one doesn't look like it's, it's necessarily going to rise a lot in the afternoon by the time you're hearing this. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Uh, my slate, I'm going with a, a tighter slate this week. Um, I, this one's a really is tricky. I looked at a bunch of my, my quarters and halves. And basically what you have this week is you have bad first half teams going against bad first half teams and good first half teams going against good first half teams and the same for first and second quarters. Uh, so it's, it's a tight spot. I do have one because I, I found one tight spot to get in there. I'm going 30 bucks on Celtics minus one and a half uh, first quarter. Look, this is the Spurs. I have been doing this consistently. It's my tie, my tried and true. LaMarcus Aldridge plays and the Spurs get outscored in the first quarter. They get outscored until the bench comes in. The Celtics bench has been very good, especially lately. I like the matchup there. Um, the Celtics, even without Jason Tatum, like I still think that they're a better team than the Spurs. Now the Spurs are good, right? But the first quarter in particular, the Spurs never get off to a good start. They have to mix and match their lineups to find the good things. Their starters are never good with DeRozan and Aldridge. Not never, but generally speaking. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put 30 on the Celtics. I only need a point and a half and it's only juice at 106. So I, I feel okay about that one. Uh, I'm taking Nuggets Heat over 219 and a half for 30 bucks. The Heat defense continues to basically be talked about and as if it was last year's team, and it's not. And there's this, uh, this construct of like, well, that's because of COVID. They weren't good before that stuff. They weren't good before all that. Uh, if Jimmy Butler, I presume, is still out, which I think he is, he's still out until Friday, I believe was the official word on Butler, then there's you're missing a key defender in the sequence. Nikola Jokic, like Bam Adebayo is a great matchup, but Jokic is going to do what Jokic does. If Bam plays it tough on him, Jokic is going to move him out into space and then he's going to pass around him. They have small guards that are, get hung up on screens. I like the transition opportunities for him. The Nuggets play at a slow pace, which is kind of a problem with taking their overs, but at 219 and a half, I feel pretty good about this one. I, if, if the Nuggets lose, it's because their defense went to pieces and the Heat dropped 125 to 130 on them. If the Nuggets win, it's because they got up to 125, et cetera, because their offense is so efficient. I don't see a scenario in which they win this game in a grind-out fashion. It's the third consecutive road game uh, for the Nuggets, and while you might be like, well, doesn't that drag down the efficiency? The Nuggets, when they get tired, they get sloppy on defense. That's the identity that they've been under. So I like the over quite a bit at 219 and a half. I like the number. I don't like it any, any higher, though. Don't don't be getting it at 221, anything higher than that. Um, I'm taking 10 bucks on Warriors minus nine. I don't like laying nine points. I don't like laying nine points on the second consecutive game uh, against an opponent. 
Brandon touched on this. Towns is out. If Towns is out, I have to fade the Warriors. And I've been burned a couple times when Nasri just showed up, but this this Wolves team is just such a mess. They're such a mess. And Golden State very much this season feels like a team that's going to, to struggle and lose versus good teams and take care of business versus the bad and go about 500 versus the teams in the middle. Like that's their kind of win profile this season. Is they have, they have a good win versus the Lakers, but in general they have those kind of struggles. Kerr really ripped them after that losing streak. They seem to have responded. Um, I will go ahead and play the numbers here and just fade the Wolves without Towns. Finally, I'm taking thirty bucks on Sixers plus one thirty eight. Yep. Wow. Yep. Ooh. To beat the Lakers at wow. home, taking like a shot. It. Taking a shot on the money line. Look. Uh, the front line for the Lakers is not what it was last year. You don't have Dwight Howard, who's with the Sixers. You don't have uh, JaVale McGee, who's with Cleveland for now. You don't have um, the kind of depth that they had last year. Yes, Marcus is a really good defender. And yes, Marcus has been a good defender versus Embiid. But Gasol has slipped consistently. I don't like Davis in that matchup. That's a big body. They're going to try. He's not going to want to bang down there with Embiid. That's not what he's going to want to do. Uh, I like Ben Simmons in the matchup with LeBron as much as you can like any matchup with LeBron. Uh, I like the shooting advantage with with Seth Curry versus KCP, etc. Um, I like the the bench matchups because the Lakers bench is still really spotty. The Lakers also this season have some impressive wins, but they also have a lot of like. Eh, the Sixers team, I think, is really good. And they're at home. So I'm taking Sixers plus plus 138 on the money line to win this game. You guys got reactions? So do you guys think that whoever wins tonight, whether it's Embiid or LeBron, becomes the narrative MVP favorite? No. Is, is tonight a big night? No, it's not. It's, it's still early. Yep. Yeah, the big thing is that the, those games that you're talking about, the narrative games, don't exist until March. Because, sure. like, Giannis beat LeBron and Kawhi early in the season, and nobody cared. Like, that last year. Like, Giannis had to win it just by virtue <clears throat> of the Bucks being awesome and his stats being great. He, the narrative didn't never help right. him. But if it's, if it's Embiid that gets the win against the champions, against LeBron, against Davis, I, I just feel like that could get the ball rolling a little bit, where – I think right now Jokic is the favorite. LeBron's in there. I think it could start the talk on Embiid a little bit more. Yeah, well, I, I do think if the Sixers win tonight, that Embiid's numbers shorten considerably. Yeah. I think because tomorrow on the jump, it's going to be like, we need to talk about how good the Sixers are, you know? And like, that's going to be like, that will start becoming the conversation is no one's talking about how good the Sixers are. Let's talk about how good the Sixers are. By the way, did you know Joel Embiid's on Instagram? Like that will, that will be the discussion. Um, for them going forward. I wanted very badly to take the bucks, by the way, um, minus seven I did versus, too. versus the Raptors, but <laughs> Fred Van Vliet is the worst. And so I can't, you, you, I, I did a projections piece and I, I think my number made the, the game like seven and a half yeah. and it was like teetering on the line. And I just, for me, when I watch the bucks and they give up so many open threes and the Raptors are just the large percent of their offense is coming from three point range. So if they get hot from three, they're going to be in that game. And I think that's the thing, the thing that kept me off of it. Yep. Okay. That's the Wednesday NBA buffet. Hope you enjoyed the picks. We were, uh, I think probably by next week, we're going to have those actually up in the app under the Wednesday NBA buffet. Boys, I have to ask you a question. Am I taking crazy pills? And now, am I taking crazy pills with Matt Moore? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Why is the NBA talking about having an all-star game? What are we doing? What are we doing? I have no idea what we're doing. I have to talk about this very seriously. Seku Smith passed away yesterday from COVID. There are people in this industry that you meet, and the, most mm-hmm. of the loudest guys are up and down. They have, people have good experiences with them and bad experiences with them. Um, they tend to be very driven and focused. But there are guys in this industry of NBA media that everyone universally loves, and Seku Smith was one of them. And we lost him yesterday to COVID. That's horrible. He had a wife and kids, friends and colleagues. He was huge for the NABJ. Yesterday was hard for everybody in the industry, losing Seku. Carl Anthony Towns has suffered so much loss due to this. 
And I don't go along with the folks that are like, this is why they shouldn't be having a season. I think they should have waited till March because there's a lot of talk right now. Reuters is reporting that the Olympics aren't going to get played. So if the Olympics are going to get played, why did you try and cram in a season before the Olympics? They could have waited until March and everything would have looked a lot different. You cannot be seriously talking about having this exhibition game. You're just, the whole thing right now we're seeing is travel. It's that a team contracts it and doesn't test positive, but somebody tests positive later. And then that person and all the teams that that person has played has to get quarantined. We're seeing this all over the place. It's travel. It's that we're mixing the schedules too mixed. I assumed when they talked about the season, they were going to do what they had talked about, which is they were going to pod these teams. And we were going to see for like the first two months of the season, the Lakers playing like the Blazers and the, and the Clippers and the Suns and the Kings, like the California teams consistently over and over again to limit the travel, but they didn't go with that route. Everybody's playing everybody. Everybody it's like, they're trying to have a normal season. You cannot do this. You're risking not only the players, but you got to go along with everybody uh, uh, with, all of the staff with all the supporting structure. There's no reason to do this. The game sucks anyway, guys. It was better last year. And I know why it is. It's the money. I am understanding of the financial realities that this situation has put upon lots of people. I am not ignoring that. Everyone's like, I don't care about the money. Just to keep people safe. You have to care about the money. Like you have to care about the money because that impacts people's ability to pay for groceries. Like that's just how it is in this country. We can debate those issues later, but folks got to pay, got to pay rent. Folks got to pay bills. I understand that the the money has to be made. We don't have to make the extra money. Just do without the all-star game. Am I nuts here? You're not crazy. It just doesn't make any sense. It it feels like we are, I mean, we're, we're trying to send, you know, 24 dudes from all over the country all of whom have their own contact racing, all of whom are coming from their own game and like the three games prior. And we're trying to send them all together. It's just, we're, we're creating like an NBA super spreader event and putting them all in one <laughs> spot and then sending them back out to their teams. If one person on that court ends up getting traced to COVID, we're like shutting down everything now for a couple of weeks because we just took the entire league down, except like, you know, the terrible teams, they can keep playing because they're not going to be at the All-Star game. But I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, we already saw last week, you can't even play the Wizards without missing games. Like, literally every single team that plays the Wizards is going to miss their next game. So, you know, to bring 24 guys, the coaching staffs, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And then, you know, I, I for the players, I feel for them because, you know, I feel like a lot of them are just miserable. They can't really hang out with their friends. They can't do, you know, certain things, but you want them to go play an all-star game. And it's just like, I'm sorry. Do you think that they're doing this? If they can't hang out with their friends, is that what, do you think that the players are, is that what you think what will happen? Is that, Oh, that's not, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. But I'm just saying like, you know, they already have these protocols. Dame spoke about it. You know how he just, you know, he comes home and he just doesn't do anything. He doesn't kick it with his family. And, you know, for them to have an extra event outside of this is just it's just greedy. Yeah, uh, it's it's it doesn't make any sense. And the NBA just continues to like just you need to get through this stretch. You need to like how about you not worry about the All Star Game and you figure out how we don't have Spurs Pelicans postponed on Monday because both teams didn't have enough players. Like let's <laughs> let's be we can we can try and we can you guys can make the money which i'm appreciative of it's helps us with create content my job's relying on it too we can do this but we can do this in smarter ways and not be constantly chasing the extra dime all right let's go back to the future back to the future this is a segment where we talk about what future we wish we had gotten on before the season started. Brandon, do you have a Back to the Future this week? I do. So I wish that I had taken the Atlanta Hawks to win the Southeast Division. Yeah. And Mm. I got halfway there. If you remember, on the first time I was on this podcast, I recommended betting against Miami making the playoffs. That was, I think, something like 1,200. And I did not like Miami even before this started. And it's been playing out. This is a bet against Miami as much as it's a bet for Atlanta. I don't believe in Miami right now. 
I don't believe in the Jimmy Butler season ahead. I just, I don't know about that team. The rest of the division, it's the Wizards, nope. The Hornets, nope. The Magic, who I thought maybe would at least kind of have their baseline, but they're missing half of their team. That's it. That leaves the Hawks. And I don't super believe in the Hawks, but they can probably play a 500 ball, maybe even below, and still win this division if the Heat don't show up. Trey Young has not even been that good yet compared to last season, so he could get a little better. The Hawks haven't even been that healthy yet. They're starting to get healthy again. Dander Hunter is playing really well. Clint Capella has made a huge difference. I'm just going to give a small shout here to something that I know is absolutely crazy. Clint Capella is 125 to 1 at BetMGM to win Defensive Player of the Year right now. It's nuts. He's not the Defensive Player of the Year, but at 125 to 1, no. maybe I might no. sprinkle just a couple no. dollars. You had us, man. We were with you. And then yeah. you had to go to Capella win Defensive just Player Capella. of the Year. I'm just Brandon just likes throwing money on long shots. He likes lottery tickets. Yeah. If I'm playing future, I want big odds. If I'm going to tie my money up for that long, I want it to pay off when it gets there. And again, the, the 12 to one Miami missing the playoffs. I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. So forget the Capella back to the Hawks. I just feel like there's, there's some things to like about them. I can't come up with anything I like about the rest of the division. So it's a bet against everyone else. It's a bet on Miami, or uh, sorry, on Atlanta by default. There's still plus 350 at DraftKings mm-hmm. yeah. too. So I think there's real value there. Yeah, I I, I looked at that last night. Uh, we were doing a game and and uh, for a, a project I can't reveal yet, but it's very exciting. Um, and so we were talking about that. With, I was talking about that with Justin Fan about the Hawks of the division. I like that quite a bit. Raheem, what's yours? I'm gonna go with a long shot since that, that's the game that we're playing. You just got go you, ju- you just got on to Brandon about it. <laughs> that's the game we're gonna play today. I'm gonna go with Chris Boucher, most improved and most improved oh, player. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this guy, I mean, to me, the Raptors bigs have been hard, you know, and this guy has stepped in. He's been incredible all year. He can he can hit the three. He's a little weak inside, but I, I just think the Raptors need this guy. And I think, you know, it's at plus 1,400 now, but it was it was a lot higher earlier. I would have taken that. Uh, by the way, speaking of long odds on most improved, I gave you guys Jalen Brown a couple weeks ago at 3,300. How are you liking those odds right now? He's at plus 600 on DraftKings. Oh, nice. Jalen Brown, he's, he's an all-star. He's, people are talking about him as an MVP, which is ridiculous. He's not in the MVP mm-hmm. conversation, but I just – Chris Boucher, I love him. I've followed him since his G League. His jump and what he's doing is awesome. But that's just not the sort of player that we end up giving the award to. So I got to stick with Jalen at most improved. Yeah, that's a good – I think you're right. That's – yeah. Good call on Jalen, man. I mean, we'll see if he can – like, he's been so hot. I'm kind of like, this has got to regress at some point. Right? Like they, yeah. You know, like, he's got to go back down at some point. But, God, he's been he's been so good on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be Christian Wood, but I mean, I think if you're looking for a long shot, I don't know. I'm I'm telling you, Boucher has gotten a lot of attention. I think mm-hmm. I think there's there's real value there. Jalen may not just because so many players, so many people thought like the voters thought that he was good anyway, and they don't usually give it for good to great. They give it for non-existent to good. Or yeah, and I think he. I mean, he's had a high profile. He's been in the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times. Like we've seen this guy, yeah. so it's not like you know the media doesn't know who he is, right? Um, mine is. I I think it's too short now. I missed the window. I didn't take Clippers plus two fifty to win the division two weeks ago, uh, and I'm mad at myself. I know the Lakers look awesome. I hope everything's fine with the the COVID stuff with the Clippers. Reportedly, they're not positive. They haven't tested positive. If they keep losing while those guys are out then that's an opportunity from for those odds to drop and i'll go ahead and grab it i think the clippers are actually going to play harder in the regular season than they did last year i think the clippers are going to play harder in the regular season than the lakers will um which kind of goes back to the value on Kawhi for mvp but that to me is like i took the lakers to win the division last year i had positions last year on the lakers to win the division and the lakers mm-hmm. to finish with a better record than the clippers and the lakers to win the title so like that all that came through yeah. for me this year, I'm kind of zagging the other way where I think that, that because everything is so focused on the Lakers, the Clippers are being overlooked given how well they've played. Yeah. So. And I think that the Clippers are going to add a piece still. I think Lou Williams is going to end up getting moved for another piece that will help the team, help them push for the one seed. And what you said, 
I, I like the position. It's just that if the Clippers do win the division, I think they're the West one seed. And if they're the West one seed, now you got you start to build the case for Kawhi, like you mentioned. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like while I like the division odds at 250, if I'm really getting Kawhi at 50 to one, now if they're the one seed by beating the Lakers to get the one seed, I feel like that really bolsters the MVP position. So Man, I think I might you, like that play better. You can say that, but the, the people that cover that team have said Paul George mm-hmm. has been the best player this, this season for them. Yeah, well, I said yeah. it too a few nights ago. Oh, that's <laughs> so. the thing is like, Having another star play, and this is the same thing with LeBron. AD's playing. I mean, AD's numbers are not great. The Lakers fans have actually been mm-hmm. complaining about him, but he's still been burbling around because the narrative around him is so high. So it's yeah. Know, MVP, I think the, I think the difference is the LeBron narrative outshines everybody. Everything and, sure. and, yeah, and sure. Kawhi is just to me like I'm still I still think he should have won the 2017 award, and I think he's not the same player that he was then. Like he yeah. slipped a little bit defensively, like. He's still great, but I just think he's not going to overwhelm you. I get the argument of it. Yeah, I get the argument of it. If he's if he didn't win that season, he's not going to win it. But I've also seen a lot of guys win it not in their best seasons. Kevin Durant was one of those. Like KD's MVP yeah. season, he was absolutely the best player and worth it, but he was better the year before. Like, yeah, just, that's how it goes. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. guys, that's going to wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Make sure to download our award-winning app. Um, make sure to track your bets. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Action Network HQ. You guys can catch all of our work on the Action Network app. Guys, thanks so much. We'll see you guys again next time on the Action Network podcast. We're finished talking.